that self-help journey, that discovery journey was wild, man. It was one of the best things I've ever done. And there's a lot of people who I've met again, and they're like, you're a completely different person than you were then. Welcome to Profession Session. I'm your host, Brody Vinson. And in this show, I talk to all kinds of professionals in all different areas, whether it be corporate stars, entrepreneurs, or business owners. And just talk a little bit about the things that have made them so successful so far. And today, my guest is Selena Danvers. Selena, thank you so much for being on. Happy to be here. Happy to have you. We have a lot of crossover and a lot of what we've done so far and a lot of things that we've talked about, so I'm excited to get into it. Likewise. So given that you have your hand in a lot of different projects, but you also have a really stable and even a job that is growing tremendously, mm -hmm. what prompted you to now pursue an advanced degree? You're pursuing your MBA right now, so what kind of drove you to make that decision? It's a great question. And I like this as a segue into kind of talking about your background. Sure. So I decided to get my MBA because, well, it's something I've always kind of had in the back of my mind, I guess. It's a, something I always thought I might want, but I guess I just didn't feel ready enough to do it right out of undergrad. So for whatever reason, I didn't end up doing it right out of undergrad, but it was still always in the back of my mind. And so I, I guess just being involved in a company that I really want to build and grow. I wanted to fully immerse myself in the world of business mm -hmm. and just learn the types of things that I might be able to bring to the company to grow it the right way and make it just a lasting presence. Right. So I just felt like that was one of the best ways I could possibly just fully immerse myself and get exposure to all these other great organizations and people that have succeeded in the business world, and I felt like I would be able to bring that to the company. And I get that you have just started the program, but have you already learned a lot of things that are? Oh yeah, oh, great. yeah. <laughs> it's been I've been like over the top, pleasantly surprised. Yeah, with it. yeah. We should mention at this point, you have an MBA. Correct. So you are you got that? You when did you graduate again? Twenty twenty one. Twenty twenty one. So you got your MBA. You finished last year. And you are in a position that you got in, you said because of that. Yes. Um, we'll get into that. Yes. But I would like to start maybe with you deciding to get your MBA. I'll ask you the same question. Yeah. You, there was some thought process that led you to decide to want to do it. What was the process like for you personally mm -hmm. of deciding that you wanted to get your MBA? And how did that look for you? So initially, it was not really something that I ever thought of. And I was about to graduate with my undergraduate degree from Florida State University in 2019. So about two months before graduation, my mom actually showed up to Tallahassee out of the blue. And uh, my mom and I are very close, right? And so she just kind of pulled me aside, took me to lunch one day and said, I really think that you need to get your MBA from Crummer at Rollins College. So specific. Yeah. Right? And I was like, whoa, let's put it in reverse. I, I really need to understand where you're coming from with this. And my mom kind of pled her case and, you know, wasn't forceful about it, but let me think as to why I would want to, right? Because I'm the one going through the program. So I took those two months. I had a job straight out of college, 
working for a municipality in Central Florida. And I was kind of excited about it, but also kind of like, uh, you know, it is what it is. It's a job. It's it's It has to do with my degree. And then I started thinking about, you know, the future, mm-hmm. right? And I started thinking about the benefits of an MBA. And I also started thinking about my experience as an undergrad, right? And I've come to the conclusion now that your undergraduate degree and experience really just teaches you how to be a person. Right? Yeah, we were talking about this a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it really teaches you how to pay your bills, show up to class on time, manage a social life, manage your own emotions mm-hmm. all the way from home. And It's kind of the first time that you get thrown into just doing things on your own. You, exactly. Like, not everyone has the same background, but for many people, they're kind of under, under their parents' roof before that. And then you, you might... You might be in the same city or you might go off to a new city and you're kind of just doing things on your own. You're taking on a lot more responsibility. Exactly. And so although, you know, I was IT and communication as my undergraduate degree and I had learned a bunch, but I felt as though I didn't have a great understanding of other uh, aspects of business. And what my thought process became at that time was I don't want to be limited to anything. Mm -hmm. And I realized that having my MBA, it was going to teach me about finance. It was going to teach me about design. It was going to teach me about supply chain. It was going to teach me about everything. Like a holistic picture of the world of business. Exactly. Yeah. And I just never wanted to find myself in a position in my career where someone tells me, no, no, you can't because you don't have X, Y, and Z. You wanted to be as qualified as you possibly could. Boom, baby. Exactly. And so um, since I had, you know, family support already, I was in Tallahassee and Rollins College is in Central Florida. So I was like, I'll be close to home. I'll have a new sort of college experience right from a big public university to a small private institution. And Cromer's reputation also really precedes itself in the way that the program is run. Um, And so it had a lot of draws. And when I went to orientation, or not orientation, but preview, Mm -hmm. to see how the program runs, I was sold in a heartbeat. And so I ended up taking a little bit of a break, right? Um, I didn't start in the fall. I started in the spring. And I worked at a restaurant in the meantime, but I was strategic with that as well. I decided to take a job at a restaurant in Winter Park so that I was familiar with the area, I was familiar with the people, and that I could maybe even meet people who were in the program or could give me some sort of idea of how it was going to run prior to actually getting there. And it was difficult, right? Mm -hmm. Like working at a restaurant on Park Avenue, which is super busy, very affluent. You know, I had to do a lot of I had a lot of learning experiences in that, right? But I had worked in retail. I had worked in, of course, for a municipality. So I had worked in um, politics. And then I had never worked in food and beverage. So Mm -hmm. now I'm kind of filling in a lot of those blanks when it comes to experience within those industries, right? Right prior to getting my MBA. Got a question. So the one thing that we talked about that we'll get deeper into, like as we go through this, Mm -hmm. is just the difficulty of figuring out what it is you want to do. Do you think that for you, you want to kind of just throw yourself into all these things so that you can get exposed to as much as possible and help that decision process a little bit? Oh, yeah. And the really beautiful and interesting thing about deciding to work at that restaurant in the meantime was that I met a lot of incredible people. I was a host, Mm -hmm. right? So I talked to people all day, every day. And it was a very popular restaurant. And I had one gentleman that came up to me and or he was sitting at the the bar counter, and he said, you know, you've got to figure out what you don't want to do before you figure out what you do want to do. Could not agree with that more. (laughs) Right? Yeah. So 
um, that was our, uh, like a blinding light to me where I was like, just jump into everything and figure out how you feel and then make a decision based off of that. But you can't logically think about something that you've never experienced before. Yeah, yeah. you can do the data or you can do the research. You can understand the data. You can analyze whatever. But at the end still of the day. still just theoretical at that point. Boom. Yes. You need to be in that position to have a full understanding of how an industry works, how a job is, like it, all of the things that come with it. So, yeah, I would I would definitely say that I like to jump into everything mm -hmm. and figure out what doesn't work. Very cool. Mm -hmm. So you kind of get into this MBA program, you get exposed to all this stuff. I would like to hear a little bit about because we've talked about this before off air, but I think it would be a cool thing to talk about. What are some of those factors that led you to the Crummer program in specific? Because. When you described it to me, I'm in my MBA program right now, and it sounded just very unique to a lot of the programs I've heard about, and yes. I thought it was really cool. So the thing about Crummer is it's a it's a very small school that's really built on connections, right? So so many of the alumni come back, that's and cool. they also really hire Crummer alumni. So I, my initial draw was the relationship that Crummer had with executives at Universal Studios. Mm, okay. Yes. How did you come to find that out and learn that? Because that seems like something that you would learn as you go through the program, but it's cool that you were able to figure that out before you got into it. Right. So their preview session, right, right, is where you show up and they kind of give you a tour of the school and an example of one of the classes, and then they do a panel and a, a luncheon where you talk to Crummer alumni and um, they tell you where they're at and what their experiences have been and whatever. And so I just happened to sit right next to a girl that um, had an internship with Universal and now works with Universal. And growing up in Central Florida, that was something that I always did, right? Mm -hmm. So I had family that would come in from out of town and that was where they wanted a vacation, was at the parks. Um, they would buy me passes for Christmas. Mm -hmm. And uh, I grew up 20 minutes away from you know, the central hub of Orlando. Yeah. And I would leave high school early on Wednesdays with my friends that also had passes and go spend the rest of the day at Universal or the rest of the day at Disney. Yeah. So it really became something that I knew I loved and I cared about. And that was kind of that connection for me. Like, okay, well, if I'm going to pursue an MBA and I'm going to have the opportunity to work for a company like this, I'm going to go to this school that's going to help me do that. Mm -hmm. Right. So that was one of the things. There, there was also a huge draw to the fact that I don't travel very much. And the Crummer program, Rollins is an international school. Mm -hmm. So they really did, they sent their cohorts abroad for a consulting project. So you not only were practicing all that you were learning, but you were implementing it in a country or with a business that may or may not have had individuals that have that experience or access to individuals that yeah. have that experience. So it's like a, an exchange of value there, right? So I thought that was super cool. And of course, it's yeah. kind of a costly school, but it's definitely worth it because mm -hmm. you also, I don't think I mentioned this to you before, I can also take classes with Crummer for the rest of my life. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. You could just decide to pick one up like yep. in addition to the program? Yep. If they added some cool pro, like some cool class that interested you, yes, exactly. That's very cool, right? So you huh. can audit a class and um, essentially end up taking something far into your career. Wow, that's yeah. neat. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's quite the benefit, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I went and I think they're open right now. I have to look at them again, but I did it previously, and they were all filled up immediately, as you would imagine. So you wouldn't necessarily be graded, but you would probably be in classes with the cohorts that are 
actively pursuing their MBA. Wow. So there were so many benefits of deciding to go that route. And um, I'm really glad that I did. Yeah. So you get that program under your belt. And were there any kind of hallmark moments going through the program that really stood out to you? I know we talked a little bit about you had a favorite professor that we were talking about a little bit, but what were some of the things that kind of reaffirmed that decision along the way that kind of gave context to you just feeling like, oh, I made the right decision doing this? So, hmm. let's see. I would say that I took a very different approach to my MBA program than I did my undergrad, where I understood the weight of what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And the if I had tried my absolute hardest what it could potentially bring into my life. Yeah. So I made a point to really be really attentive in all of my classes and get to know my professors on a much more personal level. Mm-hmm. And through that, um, I ended up getting a graduate assistantship, right? Which was cool because yeah. I got paid and I also got to claim GA and mm-hmm. got to know the professors that- um, You get to get immersed more too. Right. But the route that I ended up taking rather than what other graduate assistants ended up taking was that I was working with a particular program run through the college, supported by the college. And that was the Global Links Initiative. So that is the organization that uh, partners with other universities in developing nations. So we were partnered with previously Iraq, but um, a university in Calcutta, India, and another in Sao Paulo, Brazil. And so the entire purpose of that program was um, to kind of encourage female grassroots entrepreneurs in developing nations to grow their business. So cool. Like helping them find the resources to to like take them further in that endeavor. Exactly. But the program was broken up into three phases. It was so unique, right? Three phases. So the first phase was that we found a scholar at those universities that we were partnered with. And they came to Rollins, and they were there for maybe a semester or so, and they took classes through the Crummer program. They took classes at Rollins undergrad. They um, fully immersed themselves in um, the kind of American private university experience. And then they ended up going back to their respective universities, and they taught a course. Wow. On entrepreneurship and what they learned. Okay. Yeah, so now they have a class of 30-some students at these universities, and part of the course for them was to find female entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. in their area and help them grow their business through marketing, through um, understanding their product, through sourcing, like anything that they could do to benefit this, um, whoever their chosen partner was, right? That's awesome. Right, so that was the second phase, is like now they are in their respective countries. Yes. Them going back and finding and starting to teach that course and starting to find them. Yes, exactly. So the students would, as part of their course, work with these entrepreneurs. And then their final presentation um, would be to just kind of say what they did and what how it benefited the business. And those students would actually be chosen. I think there was maybe seven or so of them. I could be totally lying. I have no idea. But a handful of the students were chosen as doing the best job. Mm-hmm. Essentially, everyone did a great job, but you know, if like you like the standout students, standout uh, students, and those standout students were sent to Rollins. 
Wow. And, okay. Yeah. And for maybe one or two weeks, they took courses at Rollins. They got to go to Universal. They got to live in Orlando. And they got to have that same experience that yeah. the professors had. That's awesome. And then it just went around and around in circles like that every single year. That's a great program. Yeah. What are some of the things that you learned doing that, do you think? Well, so I ran their marketing, digital content, everything like that. So I got to really understand that there's some organizations and groups that become like a family mm -hmm. where the team that you bring on really makes the entire initiative run. Yeah. Right. So, for example, you it's a smaller group, right? Mm -hmm. You guys are all super involved, really dedicated yeah. to the cause. And that alone is what drives the success of the program. And so it was a really beautiful thing to see and to connect with these women and men, right, that wanted to be a part of this initiative that knew how much it benefited the the community that they lived in, mm -hmm. right? Because now there's other people who are becoming so self-sufficient that are now creating businesses where they probably wouldn't have had the knowledge or the resources to do so beforehand. And therefore that benefits their community that they yeah. live in. It was like one of the coolest things that I'd ever seen. And so I, I kind of ran all of the marketing there, I the webinars that we created, we created a lot of webinars where we brought people in to kind of discuss topics that they were, you know, super well versed in. Um, and it was a great experience. And it was, it, there were so many things that I did within just the Global Links Initiative outside of my actual graduate program. Um, and one of those things too, I did a leadership project, which was essentially taking their entire digital presence and flipping it upside down and changing it to reflect the times because I was also doing grad school in 2020. Yeah, that's <laughs> another thing to talk about. Yeah. I, I want to zoom in on that point a little bit, though, the flipping it on its head. Was it just was that a decision that you made or would they kind of bring you into that position to go after that initiative? Um, it was both. So when I joined, you know, I, I went to I started my grad program in January of 2020, March of 2020, the whole world collapsed. Mm -hmm. Right. So Absolutely. now they, I had already been hired. Mm -hmm. Now they were looking at me going, all right, what do we do now mm -hmm. that we cannot run this program the way it's supposed to be run? Yeah. We can't bring people from other countries here. We can't go there. And so how do we now let this program run the way that it does have the same amount of value, but in a completely different environment? Mm -hmm. You have to take it to the digital world, basically. Exactly. So the first step was I I just redid the entire website mm -hmm. because that, of course, is the place where people go to learn about it, where we were sending people to um, kind of apply and see what we had done in the past. There was no central hub of information for the program. Yeah. So I decided to take it off of WordPress, put it onto Squarespace because I knew that my position was going I to I like be Squarespace so much more. Squarespace, yeah. Man, this goes back to something we were kind of talking about off air. In my opinion, Word there's more capabilities with WordPress, mm -hmm. but Squarespace is just so much better for like the busy person that is yeah. running a website. I like it for a business owner for sure because yes. it's just so easy and so intuitive to use that you can make those quick changes without having to like research code to be able to do it. You can execute on things so quickly and keep up with like a the changing needs of a website so much easier that way. Right. 
And every project that I did, I had to have a proposal on the project mm-hmm. and why it made sense. Yeah. And 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 kind of explain the process of it and the steps that I was going to take to do those and also hand them off to my supervisor so that she could know where I was at in the process and kind of evaluate each step, break down the project. So I had project management skills that came from that as well. Yeah. And they probably had an idea of how they wanted you to run it. And then all of a sudden they found themselves in a position where you're having to rewrite the way it's done. Oh, they so, just completely put it in my hands. Yeah. Completely. And thankfully I had... What an experience. It was It was cool. Yeah. It was great. And it kind of just led me into where I am right now. Mm-hmm. And, and we'll obviously get into that. Um, but the website, that was like one of the first sites because I knew I'm a graduate assistant. I'm going to leave. So mm-hmm. there may be someone else who comes into my position that needs something that's far more user-friendly like Squarespace. Exactly. So that was one of the first steps. And then we were like, how do we continually connect with our audience? And that's Mm -hmm. when we started the webinar series. So initially, we had just taken videos and kind of clips of the presentations that students were giving in Brazil. We were in Brazil at that time. And um, posting that to our website, our Instagram, our YouTube channel. They didn't have a YouTube channel beforehand either. Mm. Those were all things that I had to pull in a proposal of how we were going to increase our digital footprint and continue to drive the program through 2020. As many platforms as possible. Absolutely. That's the way to do it. And so then it became a webinar series of us finding guests that, you know, would be able to educate our audience on things that you would learn in the classes if you were here or if the classes were in in their respective countries, right? And so that was another thing is like finding guests, figuring out how it's going to run, how it's going to run smoothly and professionally, which Mm -hmm. you do a really great job at, by the way. Thank you. (laughs) you. (laughs) Yeah, you're welcome. But I didn't have any of that experience, so it was a, a huge learning lesson. And on You're just thrown of, into it, yeah. Yes, on top of being in a full-time MBA program mm-hmm. that is now virtual. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you're just getting thrown completely into the world of turning something into digital because mm-hmm. not only are you going through your program that's in its first semesters of being digital, you know, for the first time, but you're also responsible for taking this new program into the digital realm. Yeah. What are... Any other like main takeaways that you got? You mentioned the webinar series and just like starting to put the the program on some new platforms and really really reevaluate the way that you were using those platforms. Any other things that stand out from that kind of experience that were things that you had to implement? Yeah, so I ended up turning that experience into a leadership project and through the Crummer uh, leadership centaur, right? Getting a certificate for it. And in order to receive the certificate, you needed to conduct the project. You had to have two interviews with, or not interviews, but sessions with um, professionals that they chose. I happened to choose a an industrial, is it an industrial psychologist? I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> I don't think I've heard of this either. An industrial psychologist is a psychologist of industries, companies, businesses. Okay. So they are studying employee satisfaction, the way that things work, the way that companies run from wow. a different person. Yes. So I didn't know that I ended up choosing this individual, but I had to have two meetings with him. I had to do some community service. So it's a long-winded thing for you to get the, the certificate, and then you have to obviously give a presentation about the entire thing. And so meeting with that industrial psychologist. Sounds was, fascinating. He really brought to light the fact that I needed to do more self-discovery 
and understand myself a little bit more, which I think there's a lot of people who, you know, pour so much into their career that they never figure out who they are. Mm. And there's a lot of people that just know who they are so much and know that they don't want to be in the confines of a specific career path or a journey that most people take. And so, but it's a combination of the both. Has to be, right? Yes, that yeah. leads you to success. And so for me, I was that was one of my biggest takeaways. So yes, I was learning all of these new technical abilities, the the way to think outside of the box given my scenario, but then through my leadership project, right? Now I'm growing as a human being, I'm mm -hmm. growing as a person. And that really jump-started my um, journey into figuring out where I wanted to go post-graduation. Right. Because now I'm combining all that I learned in school and now all that I've learned about myself. And you have to decide what that career is going to be. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So how did that look at first? Did you did that start before or after you graduated? That you started before I graduated. So smart. Yes. So this leadership project essentially took my my entire fall semester. Mm -hmm. um, and around maybe November of 2020, I had kind of this idea of exactly what kind of person I, I was and what, what I wanted to do. And I then decided to take the relationships that I had with my professors and go to lunch with them or go on a walk with them. That's smart. Mm -hmm. And um, ask them about you know, where I, they think I should go or what, what do you think is the next steps into finding a long-term career path? I want to probe on that a little bit. What did some of those questions look like? Was it kind of like, or some of those conversations look like? What, was it kind of you bringing up what you thought were your unique strengths and like things that you might be able to bring to a career and just like trying to get some context around like what opportunities might fit with that? Well, so it was a very natural conversation. There, I didn't necessarily go into it saying, okay, I want to get X, Y, and Z out of mm -hmm. this professor. It was a, I want to bond with this professor and I would like the conversation to flow in a manner that I have a bunch of takeaways after I leave. Yeah. And you just wanted to learn something from them basically. Yes, yeah. exactly. And I had some professors that reached out to me to have lunch and dinner, you know, which is really cool. Yeah. And because they were like, you are the person that shows up to our class every single day on time, dressed well, asking questions after class, you're asking questions. So we want to give you our knowledge. Yeah. And that is one of the biggest things that I will always tell people to do in school is like, what is the harm mm -hmm. of being teacher's pet? Yeah. What is the harm? Sounds like it's only benefits. It, it really yeah. does. Like, so your peers don't look at who cares about your peers. Yeah. Your professors are the people who have been there, who have done that, and are willing to pass that knowledge along to you if you are so deserving. Because, mm -hmm. right, within their contract, they only have to teach you X, Y, and Z, but they have probably have so much more knowledge that they can offer to you. Especially with MBA programs. Oh, yeah. That's been my experience so far, too. Like, the professors that I've had so far are mostly guys and girls that have had professional experiences mm -hmm. that led them to want to teach. A lot of them were consultants of some kind for like different companies, maybe maybe one company that they grew with for a while or maybe a few different companies, at least in my experience. And they are incredibly knowledgeable about the business world. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's a whole different level than undergrad. It really is. I, and you take so much more from it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so much It's more. a lot easier to be interested in and engaged in it too. I mean, I kind of just blindly went through undergrad and didn't really ever feel that challenging to me. I just kind of did what I needed to to mm -hmm. 
pass with good grades and I never felt that engaged with it with my MBA program. I feel engaged as soon as I go in. Right. Well, when you're in your undergrad, you're taking classes with like 300 plus people. It's true. Especially with a university as big as UCF. Oh, yeah. I had classes of 2000 plus. What? Yeah. That should be illegal. (laughs) It should be. It was ridiculous. It was like the first few classes in like the business program before you like actually get into your major classes. Yes. It's like the like the prereq types. And there will be some where there's like 2,000 plus kids and the classroom is, it seats like two to two, 200 to 250 or something like that. So you show up the first day and it's like standing room. People are like mm-hmm. packing out the whole thing and like out the door and everything. Like you can't even, not everyone can even get in. And then they actually record everything on like a Zoom, like a webinar kind of thing where you just watch it afterwards. So I did like that. I liked the flexibility of being able to like do my class whenever I wanted to. Yes. But if I'm being honest, I didn't watch most of them. I kind of just did the work. Right. And there's something that you get that's from actually going to your classes as crazy as that sounds, mm-hmm. that's just, it's like a next level kind of thing. I can agree with you because at the fall, the beginning of fall, right now we have the ability to be hybrid so you would have to you know wear a mask and sit social di- socially distanced from each other but you could go into class now mm-hmm. and you could tell the students that were really driven and wanted to be there they would go on campus i was mm-hmm. one of those people yeah and there were a lot of kids that just kind of sat and did virtual without their camera on and you really didn't know if they were paying attention or not, which was a kind of, I guess, a learning curve for Crummer as well to kind mm-hmm. of figure out how to re-engage students when they're not physically present. Yeah. Um, I think they don't have that problem anymore, but that, that was also another really interesting thing is watching this well-established institution figure out how to navigate. There's the so many questions that come with that. I mean, it's a really big thing. Yeah, I think they did a fairly good job. You know, I don't think that anyone was prepared for the extent, you know, how long we were going to be in that situation. Yeah. Um, but I think that they did a really good job. But I think at that point right now, it's on the students mm-hmm. to understand the value of actually showing up and being engaged, regardless as to how it's being delivered to you. So like any like with anything, you're going to get what you put into it. What you put into yeah. it. Yeah. And that is one of the big learnings that I had right before I started going through the job search, right? And you and I talked about this. It's the combination of fact and faith, right? Mm-hmm. Fact and faith. Yeah, I way. love this point. Right? So 50% of your life is fact, factual, what's happening. The other half is fate. Mm-hmm. And if you put 100% in of your 50 then fate's going to deliver what it needs to to you. But if you, you only- put in 100% of the fact, mm-hmm. you also referred to this as 50% things that you can control and 50% things that you can't control. Yes, exactly, exactly. And you have to be aware that if something didn't work out for you, there's probably a reason mm-hmm. that it didn't work out for you. And it, you can't harp on the fact that everything is within your control because then your life is just going to go in a completely downward spiral. If one day you wake up and you know, the power isn't turning on in your apartment and it's entirely self-inflicted blame or inflicted on someone else rather than being, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. Right. This is an important point, especially if you're a very type A kind of person. I identify with this a lot and that leads to really wanting to be able to control everything and that acceptance of the, the half of things that you cannot control is so important. Yeah. Yeah. So around maybe December or so, is when I started to do the job search. And I really started to look at that combination between fact and fate. 
And what I had known at this time was I can take information from my professors, I can take my experiences that I have, I can do the absolute most while I'm here, right? As I left, they called me Miss Crummer. <laughs> I, wait, have you not seen this? No. <laughs> I literally have it tattooed. If you can't see it, if you can't see it well enough, she literally has a lip tat that says Crummer. <laughs> yeah, I loved that experience. It really changed my life. That was my first tattoo ever. Yeah, was this lip tat that said Crummer. That's think, a good way to dip your toes in. I don't think most of my professors know that I have this. That's funny, right? But my peers definitely did because I was like, if I'm going to go to this amazing school and meet these amazing people, I want to be all in. Mm-hmm. I want to give 100% of my 50. Yeah. And then that other 50 is going to pay off for me some way, somehow. And it did. Mm-hmm. Because I was able to really evaluate where I wanted to go. And so my question for you now is, when it comes to figuring out, like, finding a job, what mm-hmm. was your criteria? What That's a great question. A huge part of it for me, and this is what kind of led me into the entrepreneurial space, I think, is the flexibility. I really like creating my own schedule. Mm-hmm. And another thing is just the the lack of or, or the opening up, not having much of a ceiling to it. Mm-hmm. I like not having a very low ceiling because the work that I put in is going to be more directly rewarded that way, especially something where it's not very structured and I can just put in a lot of work and see myself grow and see my career grow fast. So that was a huge criteria for me. And so I just kind of realized I, to be able to have those things, I needed to be a business owner. Mm -hmm. And so my end goal has always been to be a business owner. And I didn't know whether that would be right out of college or whether I would have a period of time where I was working for someone else. And then that taught me how to be a business owner. But for me, it was kind of this combination of having a couple jobs in college, right out of college, and then, you know, just naturally falling into being a business owner. Okay. So you, had you already known that or is that something that, that I wanted learned? to be a business owner? Yes. I have always known that. Yeah. That's I don't know. Nice. It's, it's kind of wild. Yeah. Well, my, my dad was a business owner pretty much my whole life. So I got to see a lot of those benefits firsthand just through like the type of flexibility that he had in his life. And of course there's, there's other challenges that come with it, but just seeing the flexibility that he had and the amount that he was able to grow is always like a really cool thing for me to be able to look up to. And I just knew that I wanted those things out of my life. And so I knew that I wanted to be a business owner one day and it happened for me probably quicker than I expected. And I'm really happy it did. 50% fate. (laughs) Exactly. I love that point so much. So I, my question back to you Mm -hmm. is, so we haven't even mentioned what your position is now, but this is kind of your first position out of your MBA program. I would like for you to maybe start by talking about a little bit of that 50% fact that was your own experience as you were kind of preparing for this. And then we'll get into the 50% fate, which was you actually getting that job. So I put in so much work into mm-hmm. figuring out which company I wanted to work for, because as much as I, you know, would love to have that similar entrepreneurial spirit that you do, mm-hmm. which I think is, you know, you're you're either an entrepreneur or you're not. I agree. Yeah, <laughs> it's not for everyone. Exactly, it's not for everyone. And so I still, to this day, don't know if it's for me 
but I am a very type A person and I like structure. Mm-hmm. And um, so I knew that I wanted to at least have experience with a large company. Yep. And so then I started to think about that. I was like, okay, large company that is in an industry that will never die, right? Because I'm in grad school during 2020. I'm watching that theme park thing that I want just mm-hmm. completely go out the window. Yeah. And I'm watching. We talked about pivoting a lot. Yes. Yes. For yeah. you, you had to probably kind of accept that the theme park thing that you thought you wanted might not be the best thing for you. It sounds like time. at that time. At that time, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was thinking about industry that'll never die. Okay. What could that potentially be? And a lot of those things that came up were supply chain, even though we're kind of having problems with supply chain right now. Um, it was research. You could kind of blame anything on the supply chain right now. Like, right. Yes. You really can't. You really can't. And we were, and the thing is, in 2020, we weren't expecting it to go that route. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so I immediately thought of research. I thought of things that are digital. I thought of digital payment, things like that. And so then I started thinking about, all right, given that I'm at this school that is really based on connections, what connections do I have to companies like this? Mm-hmm. So I would talk to professors, I would talk to, you know, kind of like the guidance counselors, the advisors about who I could contact or what companies they may be that I, you know, they can do the research for me. And so you would kind of come up with this list of criteria, so to speak, and did those conversations kind of revolve around just like bringing up the criteria that you had for a position you would want and then figuring out how to bridge that gap? Exactly. I said, I want to stay in Florida Mm -hmm. because I want to be close to my family. I just love Florida. <laughs> yeah, me too. Right? Yeah. I said that I want to be in a really stable industry. I want to be in a huge company that already has its processes, how things are done. Because mm-hmm. I worked with such a small organization. And like that's one of the things of entrepreneurial routes, but also working with smaller orgs, is that a lot of the work that you're doing really dictates the direction that it's going in. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want that pressure right out of the Yeah, way. it's a lot of pressure, I can tell you that. Yes, exactly. So I said, you know, I would be okay with being virtual, but I want the option of being in a, an office. Mm-hmm. Blah, blah, blah. I gave them all this criteria, and they laid out a list of companies for me, mm-hmm. actually. And the one that stuck out the most was Gartner, which is where I'm at now. And then I was like, all right, so I've made up my mind about this. So let me just do some research on the company, mm-hmm. right? Because not only will I be going through the process of them seeing as though if I'm a good fit, but I need to evaluate whether they're a good fit for me yeah. too. The culture, all the intangibles. Exactly. So um, I looked up their their value proposition. Their um, I looked up how many people work at that company, where all their offices are, what they really do. And I kind of decided, I was like, yep, I think that's it. Mm-hmm. It was so easy at that point. Yep, that's it. It's going to align with what I want. There were so many organizations within Gartner that focus on uh, people of color, women, you know, they're the opportunity to give part of your paycheck to a charity every single month and they do that for you. Oh, that's cool. There were so many benefits of this company that I was like, wow. Okay. That really like resonated with you. Absolutely. And so then I was like, what's my next step? How do I get my foot through the door? Mm -hmm. You can take the easy route of just going on the website and applying and crossing your fingers and hoping that you get in. Or what I learned through this program is that connection with people is really important. Mm -hmm. So I went on to LinkedIn and I looked up Crummer and Gartner. And every person that popped up, I sent them a message saying, hey, I'm a fellow student at Crummer and I'd like to learn about your experience at Gartner. Do you have five minutes? 
Wow. I love this. Right? That's awesome. The amount, and sure, sure, I shot blind sometimes, but mm -hmm. most of the people responded back to me. And it wasn't like, oh, I want a job here. I just want to know what you do, mm -hmm. if you like it, and things like that. And so I would engage in these conversations with people who had had a similar experience than me and, and kind of knew what my background was through my MBA program. And they were in completely different places, all of them. But through my conversations, they were able to bring to light a, a lot of the positions that just based off of the website and reading the description, I might not have had too well of an understanding. Yeah. Not everything is always going to be listed either. Like mm -hmm. it could be something that's like just there in, in a company, a lot of things, I mean, I especially know this as a business owner, a lot of things are just like a conceptual thing. Like a, a need that you have in a business is a conceptual thing until you actually list it. If you can come in before it's even listed, those things like that have been, in my experience that I've heard about, have worked out the best for people because yeah. they come in and they help identify this need before a company even gets as far as to have to list it. And they come in and just solve that exact need. Yes. And that is exactly how I ended up in my specific position. So, oh, that's what I kind of figured based yeah. on how you're going with it. That's yes. cool. Yeah. So I ended up talking to these individuals and based off of our conversations, they, you know, would say, you know, I actually really like you. Let me refer you. Mm -hmm. Which at a company like Gartner, referrals are important because yeah. they are a really people first mm -hmm. organization. They're hiring for people with with background. Yes. But they also are hiring people that are like sponges that are yeah. able to really grow and develop. I mean, even within the organization, my manager and I have conversations all the time about like, what's next for you? Mm -hmm. What do you want to do? That's Where awesome. do you want to end up? Like those are normal conversations within my organization. And they even talk about whether that's within the company or not. Right. Maybe if you're working in sales and you want to end up in conferences, mm -hmm. they'll help you get there. Yeah. Right. So it was very aligned for me at that point. And so I went through, I got referred, I received the interview, um, and then I went through a four-stage interview, mm -hmm. which oh, I was not prepared for. Yeah, that sounds intense. <laughs> yes, I went back to Kramer and I was like, maybe we should have interview prep for something like this, because the first one was with a recruiter, the second one was a case study. Talk about that a little bit. How did that look? So that was, um, they had given me kind of prep through McKinsey and Company. It's like in a consultant. Yeah, I think I've heard of that. Yes. Um, and so they essentially gave me a business case. Okay. And I had to create an issue tree of all the questions mm. that I would ask to find the answers to potentially resolve the problem. Essentially giving you a consulting gig. Yes. Yeah. Through an interview. Mm -hmm. Right. That's awesome. Right. So I mean, they're basically giving you an example of the job you would be doing and saying, hey, do this so that we can see if you can do it or not. Exactly. Yeah. So they would tell me, hey, this person wants to enter um, uh, this this car manufacturer wants to enter the electric vehicle market in Europe. What advice would you give them? Wow. Wow. Right. That's cool. So now I had to ask questions about, okay, well, what what does your sourcing look like? Where are you based? What what how big is the market? What's the total value of it? Things like that. I had Shark to, Tank type questions. Yes. Yeah. And I had to actually physically write it down on a piece of paper so that I could get my thought process out, which is fine. Mm -hmm. um, and that was stage two of the interview. Stage three is now a presentation. On that particular. Nope. Something else. Yes. Wow. A presentation on yourself. 
Okay. As a person. Wow. <laughs> what direction did you decide to take with that? Um, I brought up my ikigai. Yes, you wanted to talk about this. <laughs> yes, which is one of the first things that I saw at Preview and that carried on throughout my um, MBA program was the idea of why. So Simon Sinek is kind of the pers- first person that brought this out to the to the public, is the idea of being so driven or remembering your purpose and everything that you're doing, your why, mm-hmm. your reason for being, your reason for achieving, your reason for whatever. And so I made my entire presentation based off of like my why, mm-hmm. why I wanted to be a Gartner, why I pursued my MBA and what I'm doing all of this for, which of course was like my mother and my family. Um, just because my parents were immigrants, they didn't really have too much. So they poured everything into me mm-hmm. and I'm not going to let that not go acknowledged. Yeah. Right. And um, well, I think you've done a great job of that. I want to <laughs> highlight that for a second because we talked about this before. Yeah. You mentioned that your parents were immigrants and they, so not only are you a first generation undergraduate graduate, but also a first generation, you went all the way to MBA and that's not very common. It's very impressive. Thank you. So yeah, congrats on that. I mean, that's huge. Your parents must be very proud. They are very proud because I'm also like very funny. (laughs) <laughs> I think they were expecting me to lose my sense of humor or just, and I didn't at all. Yeah. And so like, I have a very great relationship with my parents. They're, they're, they're definitely proud, which that was all I wanted to do for the longest time. And that industrial engineer, that was one of the things he pointed out to me about mm-hmm. outside of my work ethic. He's like, you do things for other people. You're not doing anything for yourself. Yeah, You were entirely doing this program for your mother or your dad. Like, just so that you are not a disappointment. Yeah. And he's like, you can't maintain off of doing things for other people. You have to do something for yourself. Hmm. Maybe you need to figure out who you are. Yeah. Yeah, because you mentioned that he really helped you kind of figure out who you were. So what did that change look like for you of doing it not just for your parents, but for yourself? How did that look for you? What were some of the questions you asked yourself, maybe? Well, so I picked up my, my the first thing I always do when I don't know what to do is mm-hmm. pick up a book. Smart. Right? Because there's tons of people have gone through this experience before mm-hmm. and many of them have written it down. Yeah. <laughs> a book really is just a physical encapsulation of someone's experience on a particular thing. Yes. Yes. So the first book I picked up was The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. Which, I've heard of that. I haven't read it, though. Oh, that book is insane. Really? <laughs> it is really crazy. It makes you think about the present. And that automatically relieves anxiety and depression come from thinking about the future and thinking about the past. Mm-hmm. Right? So a lot of the confines that make people um, not see the world in a particular way that it is or in, in a negative light is mm-hmm. mostly because they're thinking about the future or they're thinking about the past. It, that's interesting. I've never heard this talked about in that way. Yeah. So The Power of Now is a book that really makes you think about those things. It helps you bring yourself into the present a little bit more. Yes. And it kind of explains why. And it, it's really in depth. There's no way that I'm going to be able to go over this entire thing. I would even if you need to look up a YouTube video of it, there's plenty of. Them. Yeah. And then the second book that I picked up was How to Break the Habit of Being Yourself by Dr. Joe Dispenza. Quick question on the book thing in general. I think that's such a cool thing. That's a very smart approach is picking up a book when you don't know what to do. How do you decide which book it's going to be? Ask people around. Just ask around and like kind of ask 
maybe use a couple examples of like why of what you're looking to get out of it and just kind of let the recommendations lead from there. Yeah. So for power of now, I was at a party. <laughs> I was at a party and I was talking to this like girl. It. And she ended up bringing it up to me. Business and professional development can happen while you're partying. It, I think this is an important point that I believe is. in very strongly. It really is. Yeah. Like it, well, here's an example. We were out drinking at Pup's Pub, mm -hmm. and that's how we decided we wanted to do the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Because we were just drinking and hanging out in a group, and you started telling me a little bit about your background and what you did. Yes. I knew you for a while before that, but I never really knew much about what you did. Yeah. And from there, we were like, oh, this could be a really cool podcast. Well, and so that's the beauty of your 20s, mm -hmm. right? You're learning so much about yourself. You're new in your career. And then you're still at the age where you are seeking connection mm -hmm. with people. And most of the time, if you're in a metropolitan area like we are, mm -hmm. right, it's through going out. And yeah. being at a bar and then the next thing you know you're talking to somebody and you are now talking about your childhood and your <laughs> past experiences whatever things like that and those connections are the things that bring so much clarity into your life yeah it doesn't necessarily need to be in a drinking environment mm. but i would say that it loosens people up a it little does bit. it yeah. does we had a couple drinks as we were getting into this podcast yeah. and it's probably gonna be very conducive to a lot of just easy conversation yes Yes, exactly. And as much as I now really preach, you know, alcohol is okay. It's cool. It doesn't need to be an everyday thing. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> yeah, you know. But um, to kind of go back to the books, um, it was a combination of talking to other people and social media, mm -hmm. believe it or not. All you have to write in social media is, how do I get rid of anxiety? How do I change the way I think? Mm -hmm. Boom. Something is there for you. So yes, social media has its downfalls, but it also has like it's the the ability to achieve knowledge at the snap of your finger. It is. I think really the thing with social media is just more than ever there's this very intense need for anyone who's partaking on social media to be a little more strategic and a little more intentional with it. That's my opinion at least. Yeah. Because it's very easy for you to just find yourself in some kind of rabbit hole that could be negative for you, whether it's just wasting your time or exposing you to things that are negative or not the best thing for you personally. If you are, if you take a little bit of time to be strategic and intentional about your social media use, it can do, it can work wonders. Right. And sometimes a digital detox is extremely necessary. Completely so agree. while I was doing my interviews and talking to individuals at Gartner, I didn't have any social media. I didn't have Instagram, Facebook. I didn't have YouTube on my phone. Nothing. Wow. So I didn't have social media at all. You didn't have social media the entire time you were in your program. Not my not or the whole no, time no. I was in my program. Wait, wait. You said for Gardner. Yes. So during your interview doing, process. Yes. Okay. The job search. So from January uh, 2021 up until May when I graduated, I didn't have social media. Do you know Mason Bollinger? No. He just did that same thing. He had no social media while he, like right after he graduated while he was doing his job it search. It is so good. For I haven't gotten a chance to talk to him about like how it went, but it sounds really smart. Like It is because yeah. now I use social media differently. Yeah. Right. How does, what do you mean by that? For example, if I find myself scrolling on TikTok for far too long, mm -hmm. some of the things that I have set for the day are not getting done. I delete TikTok. Yeah. I just get rid of it. Because so it's not serving you. It's not serving me. If I am on, um, for example, I have two Instagrams. Mm -hmm. So one of them is for people in my life that I know. I log out of that one all the time. Mm -hmm. 
And the other one is for music and things that I like and blah, blah, blah. It has nobody that I know on it. So if I am like wanting to uh, just kind of see what my favorite artists are posting or events or pages or something like that, I have an Instagram dedicated to that. But if I want to see the people that I know, I have mm -hmm. an Instagram dedicated dedicated to that. And I think the combination of the two of them, sometimes like you go on Instagram to see, you know, did did Brody post something about blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Right? And you end up seeing something you don't like. Mm -hmm. And then your whole day spirals. Yeah. Right. Right now we're also at the phase where we're in our 20s somethings. People are getting married, engaged, having babies, blah, blah, blah. And mm -hmm. it's hard not to do that comparison game. You know that those people are also comparison, yeah. comparing their lives to ours and being like, wow, they're out having fun all the time. Mm -hmm. And it's Sometimes, Social media has the power to really just throw you right into the comparison game. Exactly. And sometimes yeah. you just need a break. And I mm -hmm. think there's so many people that are not willing to get rid of it for fear of whatever. Mm -hmm. Like what I don't I cannot conceptualize what you could possibly be so afraid of that you can't get rid of an app on your phone. Probably just not keeping up, like feeling like you're not keeping up. Right. It's a hard thing to detach yourself from. Right. And I absolutely understand that because imagine I came back five months later and so many things had happened. And yeah. I had no idea. But great. That's something that I can talk to somebody about. Sure. In person. Yeah. Or it's a it's a conversation starter. And it seems than, like you survived. I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm absolutely fine. Yeah. So that was a that was a really cool thing that I had done. But I think in that self-discovery journey, I had to get rid of that comparison game. Mm -hmm. Right. Because how are you going to be able to well, evaluate can, yourself? Yeah, it can pull you away from focusing on yourself. And that sounds like a moment where you had decided you really, really needed to focus on yourself mm -hmm. and finding yourself deciding what you wanted for yourself. Yes. And so now we get from outside of fact. Right. So um, I would tell people all the time, oh, I'm going to be working for Gartner. You got the job already? No. No. Mm -hmm. But I would just tell people, I'm going to be working for Gardner. You had what decided. I had decided. Mm -hmm. So I had done all the work, but then I had decided that that was what I was going to do. I was going to do my best every single time in every situation I had facing the company because I had already done my evaluation process. Now they're evaluating me. Mm -hmm. So I would not say, oh, maybe blah, 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 like 100%. Now we're into fate. Mm -hmm. So I get to phase four of my interview. And maybe it was a bad day. I don't know. I bombed it. Mm -hmm. Pfft, Maybe just the pressure of it being the last phase. Yes, yeah. that as well. And um, I got a call from their recruiter maybe a few days later. And she was like, how do you how do you think you did on your last interview? I go, not very well. And she's like, yeah, well, you're right. It didn't it didn't go exactly the way that we had hoped it would. But because it was with the VP at the time. Too. Mm -hmm. So that was also another level. Wow. Pressure. Yeah. Yeah, that's intense. Uh, right? Yeah. And um, and he was also a very rigid man, like mm -hmm. not, you know, not very personable. Right. So I definitely kind of just very intimidating, yes. hard to get into like a good flow of conversation kind yes. of thing. And I definitely yeah. bounce off of the energy of people around me. So yeah. I, I wasn't receiving any. So I was really not doing so well. Would you consider yourself a pretty extroverted person? Yeah. Yeah. I think for <laughs> yeah, I would say so. I'd. But um, I, I think for extroverted people, I consider myself a pretty extroverted person as you well. Are. I think people that are extroverted naturally, like you do, just kind of vibe off of the energy of the people you're talking to a little bit. Yeah, and it's it's an important thing to be cognizant of. Which I'd like to go into that in in, in just one moment, but to wrap that up, I did yeah, get to the finish job. your point, I did get the job. But the way that I got the job was interesting because the recruiter said, "We like you. Mm -hmm. Maybe this." specific position isn't where you need to be 
but I've got three options for you. Very cool. Right. Okay. So she said the first option is that you, um, you know, interview again for another position, mm -hmm. or maybe that we just keep you in our pile of yeses until another position comes up, and then you would just apply to that. Or there's a team that's very niche that works in marketing, data analytics, digital content, very tiny, um, but they're doing great things for our organization. And I think you would be a good fit there. Yeah, because you had that experience with just that as being a pioneer in like digital content mm -hmm. marketing. Yes, exactly. So Sounds like a great fit. Right. So she, she's like, what do you think? And I go, I trust your judgment because you've been with me through this entire process. You've gotten to know me as a person. If you think that I'm going to be a good fit for this team, I trust you. And you know the programs better than, than you would have at, the, at that point. Or oh, she yeah. knew the programs better at that point than you would have. Absolutely. Yeah. And that job, description-wise, when I look back at the website, was not what it – actually is at all mm -hmm. so once again it has to it everything comes from your relationships with other people and understanding and learning from them and their experiences and the knowledge that they have rather mm -hmm. than what is written on a website and a lot of the experience you get out of being at a job especially probably with something small and niche like that mm -hmm. like similar to the thing we mentioned before it's going to be what you put into it so yes. you can't really know what it's going to be until you get into it and start making it happen make it your own Exactly. So I ended up getting in, getting that job and I've been with Gartner working in this group for as long as, you know, until right now, mm -hmm. um, to which I'll kind of go into details about that. But there was something else I was going to go back to. And I oh, yeah. We were talking about being an extroverted person and how it's important to be cognizant of yes. the fact that you kind of vibe off of the energies of the people you're talking to. Yes. But that's another. And thing. I know you, I know you have a strong and interesting and unique perspective on everything. So I know you have one on this. <laughs> yeah. And what I could say about that is being an extroverted person is great, but you are a constant source of energy to everyone around you mm -hmm. and you need to replenish. Yep. So there's days where I look at people and I'm like, I'm not leaving my house. Mm -hmm. I'm not going anywhere because I need time alone. And I think that introverted people also need to kind of flip flop that. Mm -hmm. and be dedicated to a time where you go out and you socialize. Mm. And you get to know people and you get outside your comfort zone because it's not, for me, if I were to spend time by myself, I would, previously in the past, I would wonder, what's wrong with me? Why isn't anyone around? Like, blah, blah, blah. Because mm -hmm. I'm an extrovert that I wanted people around all the time. Yeah. And then when I was alone, it wasn't a time to refresh and replenish. It was like a self-infliction of mm. why am I not doing this all the time yeah. but I also not the best intention that you could have yes. for your time alone yes exactly so that was one of those things that self-help journey that discovery journey was wild man it was one of the best things I've ever done and there's a lot of people who I've met um, again mm -hmm. right I've known them in different phases of my life and they're like you're a completely different person than you were then wow yeah Thankfully, That's, they say far more sounds like, enjoyable. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, that sounds like the hallmark of a good self-improvement journey is that you come out a different person for the improvement. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So in my current place that I'm in right now, right, uh, with my job. So I don't know if I've gone to, into detail about exactly what I do. Not really. I was kind of like wanting to save that for now and talk about like the current. <laughs> yeah, I think it'd be good to talk about now and like the... It, that's your current day now is your your kind of day-to-day -day with this job so yes well, let's start with um 
you know, first week, first month of the job. How did that look? Because so, it's like a whole new thing. Yes. Probably have to figure out. And you mentioned that it wasn't at all what it was described as. So what 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 was it at first? What did it seem like to you? So in choosing a gigantic organization, I knew that they were going to have a, an academy, a training. Mm-hmm which that was my first two weeks on the job. Yeah. You are in an academy with all the new hires and they walk you through, you know, what the company is, what the values are, how they run every aspect of the business, how they They get you logged into everything. Yes, they get mm-hmm. yeah, they send you your laptops, they send you your systems. Like of course we have a really protected system, so mm-hmm. I have to log into a VPN on my phone every time I come in. Whatever. I had that with my old job, the Marriott job, because it was like all this protected data about yes. Because a, a, a hotel chain is very competitive with other big hotel chains. So it was like two-factor authentications, and there's like one of those authenticator apps where you have to have yep. like different <laughs> things stored. There's like a code that changes every 60 seconds. Yes. Like all yeah. that kind of stuff. Exactly. So my first two weeks, I was just kind of thrown into that. But since my team and my product was so niche, we weren't taught a lot about what I was doing in that mm-hmm. academy. So they split the academy up into sales and services. And Mm -hmm. so I'm technically within the services realm. But what I do particularly is that um, if you want to license a Gartner report in any of your marketing campaigns, right? So Mm -hmm. we are the world's leading research company and we just write about everything. Um, Half is end users, so tech buyers, and the other half is tech sellers. And Mm -hmm. I work with tech sellers. And so if they want to use any of these reports in brand awareness, lead nurture, the pipeline acceleration, things of that sort, I help them choose the reports. I kind of create the links for them, and then I track the data behind it and help them calculate ROI, the cost of purchasing a license for any of these reports versus any closed business, any impact to um, your current leads, anything like that. So it was really interesting for me to kind of merge what I had done before yeah. because I wasn't necessarily bringing in leads mm-hmm. <laughs> through our um, through my Global Links experience. Right? Yeah. But I was sort of putting pushing content out and various mm-hmm. channels and figuring out what hit and what didn't and optimizing on my strategy there. And so that's a little more outbound. Exactly. Yeah. That is what I am doing with these organizations as well, but on one specific report. So they'll tell me about their entire campaigns and I'm like, okay, where does this sit and where does this go? Rather than measuring the entire thing, I understand what they're doing. Mm-hmm. But now I'm focusing on one really expensive report yeah. that they have licensed. Um, and, and so that's kind of what I do every single day. It's a conversation with three plus clients for 20, 30 minutes where we go into the analytics of the performance, their campaigns, their objectives, seeing if licensing this is meeting their objectives, things of that sort. I'm essentially making sure that they are driving value every single day. And then on top of it, there are little niche things. So updates to our systems, team meetings, company-wide meetings, um, little things like that throughout the day. But I essentially own my own book of business. I schedule my own calls. I have my own sort of relationships with clients, right? There are some clients that are super personable that I know so much about their personal lives, Mm -hmm. right? Their families, what they love, blah, blah, blah. And there are some people that it's purely transactional. Yeah. And that's fine. It's just your ability to adjust to the current situation. So I'm curious as to, like, with your jobs, all the ones that you've had before, Mm -hmm. 
right? You wear many hats. Yes. And so how do you prepare yourself in that situation to wear, to, to be the most professional in each one of those settings, given that they have a different need? Hmm. That's a great question. I know it's a very heavy question. It is. Yeah. <laughs> Think about that for a second. I would say for me, it's about staying in your lane when you need to. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's also about, I, I think a lot of it is just understanding your own limitations and where those are going to fall, accepting those and being willing to admit it when you need to, and also do something about it if you yeah. need to. So if you're wearing this hat, like you're ultimately, you're going to need to do something about this task that needs to be done or this obstacle that needs to be overcome. You might not know how to do it at first, but you're going to have to figure it out. So just understanding and accepting that you might not know how to do a certain thing, but then going and figuring it out. So doing the research that it takes to figure out how to do this thing that might be a little bit outside of your experience, because naturally you're going to have things that you have more experience in. For me, I operate a lot in like the the finances of the business um, and then some of the marketing because that's kind of my background. I majored in finance. I got a digital marketing certificate. So that's kind of the background that I have. And then I there's so many other little things with being a business owner. And it's one of it's my first big business that um, like pursuit that I've been in. So there's so many unknowns that I just have to accept. Well, I haven't experienced this before, so I have to go research how to do it. Yeah. I think that's a great approach, especially when it comes to future endeavors, Mm -hmm. right? So you and I had discussed about the fact that I'm so content with where I'm at right now, but I also know that there's more I'd like to do, and I just don't know what that is at the moment. Mm -hmm. But I think that's good advice to take as to, like, kind of staying in your lane, but also figuring out what role you play in each of the endeavors that you take on. I guess I would call it, Rather than staying in your lane, I guess I would call it understanding what lane you are in. Ah, I like that. Yeah, understanding understanding what lane you're in, because ultimately you're going to have to, if you wear a lot of hats, you're going to have to be in a lot of lanes. Mm -hmm. But understanding the lane that you're currently in and accepting that, but also deciding to go do the work to be able to wear those additional hats that are new hats for you. Yes. What new hats would you like to wear? I would like to wear, hmm, that's a great question. (laughs) (laughs) You're asking a lot of great questions. I know, you didn't think I was going to ask you anything. No, I feel like I'm the guest. (laughs) (laughs) It's cool, though. I like this. Um, I would say the new hats that I would like to wear are the kind of hats that you have to wear to be able to break plateaus in business growth. Because it's very easy in business to get caught up in you know, your day to day and just do what's been working so far, because if it's been working, it's going to keep working Yeah. most in most cases. Yeah. But I would like to figure out how to wear the hats of business owners that have figured out how to break those plateaus and break those kind of cycles and take their businesses to new levels. And do you know any individuals like that? I mean, you have them on your podcast for sure. Yeah, I have some of them on my podcast and that helps a lot. And I also am an avid 
YouTube university kind of guy. So I am on YouTube all the freaking time, (laughs) like YouTube. And then I also just social media wise, I follow a lot of the types of people that do that and try to just expose myself to as many possible examples of that as possible so that I, I mean, every once in a while, one of them will hit and it's a example that really has nothing to do with my business, but there's crossover. And I'm able to identify that crossover and bring that into my day to day. Yes. So what I love that you said about that is that you are constantly looking at those who are doing what you'd like to do or embodying what you'd like to embody. Mm-hmm. And then upon the opportunity of that arriving to you, right? Now at least you can realize that it's an opportunity. Take that leap. Yep. And then kind of follow suit with what all those people that you've been watching have been doing. And it's the only way to do it. If you're trying to do something you haven't done before, you have mm-hmm. to, it's like the thing that you mentioned with reading books, like picking up a book to figure out someone's experience of something they've done before so that you can bring that into your own life is you have to find someone that's done something before if you want to do it. Yes, exactly. So you had asked me, you know, what's your future goal, mm-hmm. which I, I do like working in corporate, but I also know that I am somebody who. You know, I really thrive off of meeting new people and kind of being in an environment and watching that grow and flourish, being a part of that. Like, yes, you can do that virtually. um, And yes, you can do that for like a big organization after some time. Right. But now I've just kind of really poured into watching DJs and artists and artist managements. And that's kind of like my hobby Mm -hmm. and really watching what they're doing and understanding. There was one day, actually, I won't go into what I was doing (laughs) when I... Fair enough. (laughs) Yeah. When (laughs) I was... Yeah. Okay. It's up to you. Yeah. So in um, February, I took like a heroic dose of mushrooms. All right. (laughs) That's where this went. Um, And my intention was to kind of figure out where, what... I wasn't seeing in my life and where I could see growth, right? What things that I could do that Mm -hmm. I wasn't taking the leap at. Yeah. And I was drawing a picture and I was listening to Fem House Radio. And Fem House Radio is, Fem House is a 501c3 organization that was started by- Nonprofit, right? Yes. Okay. One of my favorite female DJs where she um, hosts classes and webinars and sessions to teach women and non-binary and members of LGBTQ community how to play music and how to become producers. Oh, cool. Okay. Yes. So I'm listening to this radio and she, you know, interviews a lot of female DJs and kind of asks them about their experience, whatever. And I just had this eureka moment where I was like, I can do that. Yeah. And so I booked a hotel. And I booked a session and I drove to Atlanta and I took an Ableton class with this said DJ. Wow. Cool. (laughs) Right? Because even though I'm very content in my job, I can only get better at it. I totally forgot about this. You you DJ. Yeah. Yeah. I I can't believe I didn't think to talk about that before and like make that a planned thing to talk about. But yeah. Right. So that became that was something that I picked up after I got the job. Mm-hmm. So I got the job, I moved into an apartment by myself, and obviously I was going through that learning curve of learning how to do the job. But then in my off time, I was like, what do I like to do, right? Yeah. Because I was really in 
recovery mode, like mm-hmm. super extrovert, but I really wanted to spend a lot of time by myself. And instead of repeating the pattern of going into self-hatred, why am I alone, thinking about my anxieties, my insecurities, whatever, I was like, I'm just going to pick up a bunch of random hobbies yeah. and see what sticks. There you go. Give so, yourself something productive to do in the alone time. Yeah. Yep. So um, I learned how to cook. I learned how to, I started like painting and DIYing things. And then I bought a DDJ, like easy Pioneer 2000, or not 2200, mm-hmm. like two channel board, um, just so I can kind of get creative and learn how to mix. And I obviously like to go to house and techno shows. Mm-hmm. And I really love the artists and what they're doing, the direction that it's moving in as well. And so I just kind of wanted to learn. And then, you know, I upgraded to a much bigger board. And now I use, instead of like an algorithm app, I use Rekordbox. And then I was able to learn how to use Ableton and how to make music on Ableton. And obviously that's something that you have to really pour into. Mm -hmm. And I just, I don't think I've given myself enough time to do that. Also living in an apartment doesn't help. Yeah, yeah, it's probably hard to really like Test out the sounds too much. Oh, yeah. My neighbor does not really like Yeah. Um, but once again, I was like, this is my passion, and I can argue with people all day about whatever. But at the end of the day... Like, I will say, sorry to interrupt. Yeah. You say that, but now that I think about it, there's actually a DJ that lives on my floor mm-hmm. that plays like all over downtown, and he even started playing shows on our rooftop sometimes. Yeah. It's yeah. really cool, I've actually. played a few times on my rooftop. Have you really? I, yes, I That's have. cool. And, and that's kind of where I have to go sometimes. But I just spent a lot of time. But self-discovery journey obviously helped me with my career. But then it also helped me with my self-confidence. And then it now is also helping me develop my passions. Mm-hmm. And your passions can easily turn into a career. Yeah. Yeah, they should. They should. They should. Right. Yeah. And so now I'm pushing that why, that ikigai outside of, all right, using your MBA and now into, all right, how do I get into music? Yeah. And how do I spend more time getting into music? So sometimes like I'll be out and I'll just be meeting people who do this for a living, Mm -hmm. who are in artist management and just kind of probing them again. How'd you get there? What's it like? Those sort of things and building connections that way. Um, I think I just recently applied for a group that kind of runs events within Orlando. So maybe that's a channel, right? And that goes back into our conversation of being so cognizant of what you want and the people who are doing it around you that you jump at an opportunity. Yeah. So as much as I really do love my career, I could end up pivoting and Mm -hmm. using, you know, whatever background I have from my MBA or whatever background I have for my experience in corporate, but also my love for music and my understanding of music Mm -hmm. and turning that into something much further down the career and further down the path. You mentioned earlier that you really felt like you needed a structure. Mm -hmm. And I think, I mean, from what you're talking about, that doesn't necessarily have to be a thing that you rely on for the rest of your career. It could be something that you use to help you build your own structure. Mm -hmm. I think if you do end up in a pursuit of of music or like event management or whatever that ends up looking like, the structure that you were able to build with such a large organization will really come in handy for that. Yes, yes. And the people I've met through this organization are amazing. And the experience. Yes, yes, exactly. 
so that at the end of my life, when I'm 80 years old and I'm talking about fact versus fate, I can also say, I did this and this and this and this and this. And someone may not have to go through all those trials and tribulations because they're listening to 80-year-old Selena with dementia tell them about all of her experiences, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's the beauty of um, connection and of like getting to know people is like vicariously living through their experiences mm-hmm. as well. One of my, it's actually my maintenance guy because of course I've befriended all of the people that work at my apartment. My maintenance people in my apartment are awesome too. Incredible. Because you work from home partially, right? Or all the, is, all the time. Yeah. So working from home, you're kind of like walking around your apartment all the time because it just helps to get out of your apartment a little bit. Yes. And so, yeah, I, I see my maintenance people all the time and they're all awesome. Oh yeah. If I don't all come down, the nicest people, if I don't come down and they don't see me downstairs within like two weeks, they'll come and knock on my door and be like, are you, <laughs> alive? Are you okay? Yeah. And one of the things that Ifran told me, which was beautiful was if my pain and my experience can be a bridge for someone to walk over so they don't have to tread through all of that, it was worth it. I love that. <laughs> Yeah, that's giving like actual words to what you were describing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And that's like like going back to the book thing too. You're getting someone else's experience through some medium and you know, connecting with people is another way to do that. Right. And you're supposed to learn from history. You're supposed to learn mm-hmm. from other people or you're going to do it again. Yeah. You're doomed to do it again. And I just think that there's so many people don't know about that. Um, how important connection is with other individuals and how important love is. And my mushroom trip also showed me that too, which is a very unconventional method. I've heard it can work. I just jumped right into it. Mm -hmm. Have I done it since then? No, I figured out all I needed to figure out, which was great because I was having conversations with my mom too, right uh, right after it. Like she knew I was doing it, so Mm -hmm. right after. My mom was like, you are coming to understand a lot of the things that I didn't know until I was like in my 40s. That's cool. Right? But places really like cool. this, too, mm-hmm. conversations that you and I are having. Yeah, I've been to say that. That I mean, this whole thing that we're talking about right now is, is, I mean, a huge part of my kind of thesis behind doing the podcast is I'm constantly getting to talk to these cool people and learn from the experiences that they've had. And not only help improve myself through that, but also communicate that out to whoever wants to listen and watch mm-hmm. and get that for themselves. Yeah. That's, that's why I'm so passionate about podcasts. I mean, I was an avid listener and watcher of podcasts for almost a decade before I got into this. And it's just such a great medium for that. Yeah. Well, I have gotten to know you over the past six, seven, eight, however long months it's been. And I can tell that you're a very genuine person and that you love your friends so much, but now you are actually doing it for people outside of your physical reach. That's a really cool thing about social media too, (laughs) is I have met people. I mean, here's a great example. One of my podcast guests literally became a guest because he saw a TikTok and a reel and just saw a profession session twice Mm -hmm. and ended up reaching out and became a guest and provided a lot of value on the show. He was a fantastic guest and I learned a ton from him and I had people reach out telling me that they learned a ton from it. And he just found me through social media. It's a yeah. really awesome medium for yeah. that. Yeah. You're doing great work, bro. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. So, Selena, I have a couple of repeat questions I like to ask every guest. Okay. So the first one of those is we kind of talked about this journey that you've been on in your career. And I think 
a big part of it at least started with you getting into your MBA program. So my question for you is having the experience and the wisdom that you've gained through your experience going through the MBA program and everything since, if you could go back in time and talk to a younger Selena as she was first kind of getting into that program and what would become her career, just having that experience, what are a couple things that you would do differently or tell her to do differently? I wouldn't tell her to do anything differently. Hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I would probably look at her and say, don't resist what is to come. Okay. I like that. Yeah. What does that mean to you? So I think that it goes back into our conversation of people thinking that they have full control over their life and what's going to happen to them when in reality you don't. Mm -hmm. And at that phase in my life, I really thought I had full full hands on the reins. You hadn't really picked out the uh, 50% fate part yet. No, not at all. Um, And so... If anything, I mean, gosh, when COVID happened, I was end of the world. I can't travel. I can't blah, blah, blah. When maybe that wasn't what was meant for me. Maybe I was meant to have a completely different kind of experience. Maybe I was meant to be one of those people who was part of the program when they were figuring out how they're going to update things. And Mm -hmm. my perspective could have brought something that changed the way that that school operates or the way that my peers even viewed the situation that they were in. Right. So I wouldn't tell her to change anything. Um, I would just say, don't resist and like let it be what it is. That's awesome. That's awesome. Then the other question that I have for you is the show is called Profession Session. What does it mean to you personally to be a professional? Being a professional means that you need to know who you are, where you are, and why you're there. Ooh, yeah. Because you mentioned a few times in this interview is your why. Mm-hmm knowing your why and being able to rely on that. Absolutely, because it's not a an easy world to navigate, and those three factors are the thing that keeps you there and keeps you driven, and it benefits your organization, it benefits you, it benefits everything if you are able to identify who you are, why you're there, and where you're at. Those are your highest values, really, essentially. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, you made a great point. It's There's so many things to navigate in the world. There's especially with social media and everything nowadays, there are so many options. You could easily get paralysis by analysis trying to figure out what you want to do. I like that. <laughs> yeah, that's a th- that, I, I love that term. I mentioned before I'm big on alliteration, so anything like that. It just it makes things easy. Yeah. So I, I think it's very easy to get that with just how many options there are out there. And if you can fall back on those highest order values, mm-hmm. those can help guide you and just take you to where you need to go. Absolutely. And it's so much easier to find projects and endeavors with those who share similar values that you do. Absolutely. And if you can identify those, you can more readily talk about them and figure that out. Absolutely. Look at that. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Selena, anything else that you would want to bring up and give to the the listeners and the watchers? The listeners, I would say, keep listening to this podcast because Brody is doing the work to benefit your life and better and, and, and lead you to a path of self-discovery and growth as a professional, but also as a person. So kudos to you, but also keep listening. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Appreciate that. Yeah, you're welcome. Well, I will put links to everything on how to find Selena in the show notes if you're listening on audio or the description if you're watching on YouTube. This has been Profession Session. I'm your host, Brody Vincent. My guest has been Selena Danvers. And thank you so much for listening or watching. Signing off.
Thanks so much for tuning into Profession Session. I'm your host, Brody Vinson. Stay tuned for new episodes every week and short clips of deep dives into specific topics that I put out on different social media channels. We could be found on YouTube, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, TikTok, all major podcast platforms. You can find my guest in the details of this video or podcast. And if you happen to know a young standout business owner, professional, or entrepreneur that you would think would be a good fit for Profession Session, DM me or get in contact with me anywhere and just let me know and they could be the next to tell their story here until next time again this has been profession session stay focused stay hustling and stay networking